Welcome to the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones, and I'm so excited that you're here. The Plan B CRNA podcast is the only show made specifically for nurse anesthetists who are exploring options outside of their traditional career paths. This is the place to expand your mind and your goals as we uncover new ways to produce side income together. Journey with me as I go down various rabbit holes to explore the best Plan B options for you. This episode is brought to you by On Call Capital. On Call Capital is dedicated to educating CRNAs and other healthcare providers about investing outside of the traditional stock market. On Call Capital also provides opportunities for you, yes, you, to create passive income and generational wealth while also lowering your taxable income through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that right now so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today. And now on with the show. Welcome to the rabbit hole on the Plan B CRNA podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones. Throughout my journey in finding a Plan B, I've gone down numerous rabbit holes to figure out which ones work for me. And since I've done some of this research already, I only think it's right to bring that information to fellow healthcare professionals to help aid in your search. As always, it's important for you, the listener, to do your own research and form your own opinions. Everyone's situation is unique, and a Plan B that works for one CRNA doesn't always work for another. Self-awareness is the key in any decision you make, since you must have an accurate grasp of your own strengths, weaknesses, and goals. Now, our topic today is one that we've talked about before, but there's still a bit more to discuss. Our rabbit hole of the day is, dun-dun-dun, cryptocurrency. Now, this is part four in our four-part series on cryptocurrency. If you missed the previous three installments, feel free to listen to them before this one, since you may need the basics to keep up here. Today's episode is specifically going to focus on NFTs, speculation, and the pickaxe strategy. So let's start with that first thing that I mentioned, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, or NFTs for short, were all the rage last year during the crypto boom. The term non-fungible means that the token is unique and can't be replicated or replaced with something else. Bitcoin, on the other hand, is fungible. Trade one Bitcoin for another Bitcoin and you'll have exactly the same thing. I like to compare this to trading cards. If you trade a Patrick Mahomes rookie card for a Lamar Jackson rookie card, you end up with something that's completely different. Unlike trading cards, though, NFTs are part of the Ethereum blockchain, though other blockchains have implemented their own versions of NFTs. While Ethereum itself is a cryptocurrency, its blockchain also keeps track of who's holding and trading NFTs. NFTs can represent real-world items like artwork and real estate, and tokenizing them makes selling, buying, and trading them more efficient while reducing the probability of fraud. They can also function to represent individuals' identities, property rights, and more. NFTs have several different potential use cases. As mentioned, they are an ideal way to digitally represent physical assets. Because they are based on blockchains, NFTs can also remove intermediaries and connect artists with audiences for identity management. In addition to simplifying transactions, they can also create new markets. Much of the current market for NFTs is focused on collectibles like digital artwork, sports cards, and rarities. NBA Top Shot is one of the most recognizable spaces, with clips of NBA moments such as slam dunks or slick plays being captured in digital card form. Some of these have sold for millions of dollars. 
Jack Dorsey of Twitter tokenized a version of the first tweet ever, which then sold for more than $2.9 million. Digital artist Beeple created a group of NFTs representing a collage of his first 5,000 days of work, and that sold for over $69 million, setting a record for the most expensive piece of digital art sold thus far. Another neat feature of NFTs is that they are extensible. This simply means that you can combine one NFT with another to create a third unique NFT. Want more examples? Well, I do have a couple of interesting ones. First up, CryptoKitties. These digital representations of cats were first launched in November of 2017, and they are priced in Ether. Each one is unique, and they reproduce among themselves and produce new offspring, which have different attributes and valuations from their parents. It may be hard to believe, but CryptoKitties had a fan base that spent $20 million worth of Ether to purchase, feed, and nurture them. Bored Ape Yacht Club is the next one, featuring profile pictures of cartoon apes that are procedurally generated by an algorithm. There are over 10,000 Bored Ape NFTs, and they have garnered controversial attention for their high prices, celebrity following, and high-profile thefts involving individual Bored Ape NFTs. And sure, this all sounds a bit silly, but NFTs do have more serious business applications. They've already been used in private equity transactions and real estate deals. And one of the implications of enabling multiple types of tokens in a contract is the ability to provide escrow for different types of NFTs, from artwork to real estate, into a single financial transaction. More importantly, though, non-fungible tokens are an important evolutionary step forward from the simple concept of cryptocurrencies. By enabling digital representations of physical assets, NFTs are a step forward in the reinvention of financial infrastructures being utilized on the blockchain. The most obvious benefit of NFTs is market efficiency. The conversion of a physical asset into a digital one streamlines processes and removes intermediaries. NFTs can allow artists to connect directly with their audiences. An NFT for a pair of shoes will make it easier for different actors in the supply chain to interact with it and help track its origin, production, and sale through an entire process. Ernst & Young has already developed one such solution for one of its clients. Identity management is another use case. Think about physical passports. You have to carry them around, pulling them out at every entry and exit point. By converting them into NFTs, each with its own identifying characteristics, it's possible to streamline the entry and exit processes for jurisdictions. NFTs can serve an identity management purpose in the digital realm as well. Financial asset transactions are one more use case for NFTs. No two pieces of real estate are alike, as they may be single-family, multifamily, office, or industrial space, just to name a few. They may be on the beach or in the mountains, located in rural, metro, or suburban areas, and have many differentiating characteristics. Each of these can be represented by an NFT, helping simplify the sale and purchase of an otherwise complex and bureaucratic affair. Decentraland, a virtual reality platform on the Ethereum blockchain, has already implemented this type of concept. But what does this all mean for you? Well, right now, the big movement seems to be centered on evolving the collection of fine art as digital art. It's really a community-driven moment that's split into a couple of different areas. Some folks treat them like the future of fine art collecting, like a playground for the mega-rich, and others treat NFTs like trading cards, which are accessible to normal people, but also a playground for the mega-rich. I mean, technically, anything digital could be sold as an NFT. Deadmau5 has sold digital animated stickers 
William Shatner has sold Shatner-themed trading cards, one of which was an x-ray of his teeth. Nike has patented a method to verify sneakers' authenticity using an, F- an NFT system, which it calls CryptoKicks. Mike Shinoda of Lincoln Park sold some NFTs that included a song. Logan Paul sold NFT video clips from a video that you can watch for free on YouTube, but he sold them for up to $20,000. And he also sold some NFTs of a Logan Paul crypto or a Logan Paul Pokemon card. And yes, some people have spent tens or hundreds of thousands of dollars on NFT pet rocks. The website for which states that the rocks serve no purpose other than being tradable and limited. The space is just wild, man. I don't know what else to tell you. But all of this translates into NFTs being very highly speculative assets. And and that's in my opinion. Uh, Yes, it is a $13 billion with a B marketplace. And it's relatively easy to purchase NFTs on online marketplaces such as OpenSea, Rarible, Super Rare, or Nitty Gateway. But it's still very early on for NFTs. And copyright infringement is an ongoing problem in the space. One of the most popular NFT trading sites estimated that over 80% of the artwork that's been minted using its free tool were plagiarized works, fake collections, and spam. And it's important to note that while NFT entries are permanent on the blockchain, the actual media that they represent, such as pictures or GIFs, are much too expensive to actually be stored on the blockchain. Sometimes the media is stored on a cloud service, which isn't exactly decentralized. It's a real worry that you purchase an NFT on a site only for the site to go up and smoke along with your NFT along with it. Many in the space have turned to decentralized storage solutions like the Interplanetary File System, or IPFS, that use torrent-like technology. Files are stored on a peer-to-peer network, meaning that they could be stored on several computers at once. And when a computer wants to load the file, it asks the IPFS network to give it the file with that ID. When an NFT is made, the content link is baked into the token. And if the content link for an NFT goes to IPFS, it'll be pointing to something that is more permanent than an image on a regular server. Or at least that's how it works in theory. Your long-term investing goals should determine the types of NFTs that you want to look for. You should look for NFTs that align with your own portfolio strategy, just like you would with any investment into stocks or bonds or, or anything else. NFTs are a commodity-like asset, similar to silver, gold, and artwork. They are also uncorrelated to other markets, providing an opportunity for diversification. When you buy this as an investment, it is a relatively illiquid part of your portfolio. An NFT can be a legitimate investment if you understand what the NFT is being used for. I suggest looking into NFTs that have more long-term utility. As Nick Donoraski, CEO of blockchain technology company, ORE system has said, making sure that you have something that has utility is a better bet for the long-term life of what an NFT is. The lifespan of the use case is the lifespan of that utility. So maybe stay away from the pet rocks. Hmm? I do want to reiterate that what I've read about NFTs so far is that they are a playground for the rich and that they are more of a status symbol than true investments at this point. This makes them much more speculative than some of the other types of cryptocurrency that we've focused on in the past. Now, this doesn't mean that they won't have value in the future, but I have to caution you to really, really, really do your research. I personally believe that investments in NFTs are much more speculative in nature, and I do want to talk about that a bit. But to do that, we need to take a trip back in time 
to January 24th, 1848, when James W. Marshall discovered gold at Sutter's Mill in Coloma, California. The news spread, and droves of people began to arrive in, 40, or in, in California by the end of 1849, hence the term 49ers. The influx of 300,000 people from the United States and abroad catapulted California to statehood in 1850. Tens of billions of today's dollars worth of gold was discovered by the end of 1855, reinvigorating the U.S. economy and leading to great wealth for a few and moderate profits for around half of the miners. However, many were left with little more than they started with. This was a signature moment in our nation's history, but that last point is the reason why people who went looking for gold were known as speculators and prospectors. They had no way of knowing whether they would actually find gold. They took the immense risk with the idea that the reward would be far greater. Now, when you're planning to put your money to work for you, it's important to know the difference between investment and speculation. Investment is defined as the action or process of investing money for profit or material result. Speculation is defined as investment in stocks, property, or other ventures in the hope of gain, but with the risk of loss. Now, as Benjamin Graham said, you must never delude yourself into thinking that you're investing when you're speculating. Now, speculators ascribe to the following. They chase high returns. It's typically short-term in nature, though not always. They're not really surprised by losses, and they expect the price of an asset to change, likely by market inflation. Investors have these traits. They seek high probability returns. They lose money really only when something unexpected happens. Generally, they are having a longer-term focus. They look for cash flows, and they expect the underlying value of an asset to change. Now, there are gray areas between the two. Take hedge funds, for example. Many employ active trading strategies with individual trades fitting into the speculative category. However, they may be based on empirical research so that an investment in the fund is not necessarily speculative. It's also possible to flip this scenario. When an investor only researches the upside of an investment while ignoring many of the risks, they run the risk of losing money. Feeding into their own bias has made this investment into more of a speculative bet. Experience, sometimes from bad outcomes, can help an investor avoid these mistakes in the future. And now that we've talked about speculation versus investment, I want to focus in on an investment strategy that I just alluded to, the pickaxe strategy. Now, what is the pickaxe strategy? Let's go back to that gold rush in California. Historians have confirmed that merchants actually made more money than the miners during that time period. A late arrival to the party, one businessman found great success when he began selling denim working overalls in San Francisco in 1853. His name was Levi Strauss. But one of the wealthiest individuals was Samuel Brennan, who opened supply stores in several mining hotspots. When the rush began, he purchased all of the prospecting supplies available in San Francisco, and he later resold them for a substantial profit. Hence the birth of the phrase in business, you can mine for gold or you can sell pickaxes. We've seen this trend in our present day as folks bought up toilet paper and hand sanitizer at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic in order to sell them for higher prices. Now, keep in mind, merchants can lose out too. Many of those late arrivals to the gold rush often found themselves left behind in settlements that simply disappeared. And today, we've seen state and federal agencies crack down on those people that were attempting to price gouge. 
But just like Levi Strauss and Samuel Brennan were selling items like jeans, pickaxes, shovels, and pans that were necessary to support those speculators who were looking for gold, you may find that investing in technologies that link the digital blockchain space with society could be even more lucrative than trying to guess which coin will become the next Bitcoin or Ethereum. And make no mistake, there is no shortage of innovative companies that are trying to bridge that gap. Let's talk about a few of those fields and some of the players involved. Number one, cryptocurrency brokers. Tons of people are purchasing crypto for themselves, and they use crypto brokers to do it. Brokers who offer digital assets may attract more customers than exchanges that only offer traditional assets such as stocks and bonds. Coinbase Global is a well-known cryptocurrency trading exchange that you can buy stock in, and they've made two major innovations. The first is the practice of asset loans to the masses. This was previously only available to the affluent, but now users can pledge their cryptocurrency as collateral to receive low-interest loans. Principal can continue compounding while you deal with what you need to. Secondly, their analytics are being adopted by governments and financial institutions. Since most blockchains are on a public ledger, the company can harness the data and monitor it for illicit transactions, providing more user safety. Now, another company that comes to mind is Robinhood, which offers commission-free trades of stocks, bonds, and select cryptocurrencies. Of course, there are other brokers out there offering the opportunity to buy and sell crypto, but there aren't a whole lot of them that are actually available on stock exchanges for purchase. And number two is payment processors. The companies that are adopting blockchain technology, particularly in finance, may be able to gain a big edge over traditional competitors in processing payments. PayPal and Block, which Block is formerly known as Square, uh, each saw a business opportunity in enabling users to purchase and hold cryptocurrencies within a digital wallet. Block's Cash App started allowing Bitcoin trading in 2017, and the company and CEO Jack Dorsey, you know, of Twitter fame as well, both reaped the benefits of Bitcoin in 2020 and 2021. Cash App also added support for the Bitcoin Lightning Network back in April, allowing customers to transfer Bitcoin much faster and without transaction fees. Meanwhile, PayPal's Venmo digital wallet and payments app opened up trading in early 2021 for Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum, and Litecoin. Since Venmo has the most users of any peer-to-peer -peer payments app, it could become a leading cryptocurrency platform with this new feature. Number three, though, chip makers. The companies that are producing those semiconductor chips don't deal directly with cryptocurrencies, but they are leading the way in the design of graphics processing units, or GPUs. These are typically known for powering high-end video game graphics, but GPUs are now enabling computer-intensive applications, such as data centers, artificial intelligence, and yes, the creation of crypto assets. GPUs are well-suited for digital currency mining. The two most well-known companies in this space are chipmakers NVIDIA and AMD each of which are working on their own acquisitions to support their forays into cryptocurrency. Number four, Bitcoin mining and machines. Now, we touched on this one in our last crypto rabbit hole episode, so make sure you check that one out for more in-depth information. But suffice it to say that companies that are building and housing mining rigs stand to profit from the continued adoption of cryptocurrency. Canaan is one such company that is designing high-powered application-specific integrated circuits, uh, or ASIC miners, that are millions of times more powerful than GPUs for their super-specific purpose of mining crypto. Another popular stock is Hut8 Mining. 
the company owns a sizable minority stake on the overall Bitcoin network, and it generates strong cash flow relative to revenue. They lend out the Bitcoin that they mine, leading to additional yield and compounded returns. They also have decade-long leases and use mixes of renewable resources for their electricity. Number five, derivatives. Now, one of the ways that you can mitigate your risks in the stock market is to take out options contracts that grant investors the option to buy or sell an asset in the future at a predetermined price. Other investors prefer trading futures, which bet on the future price of an asset. Luckily for owners of Bitcoin and Ethereum, there's a way to participate in these types of derivatives. CME Group operates the world's largest financial derivatives exchange, and they offer a diverse assortment of assets such as agricultural and mining products, energy stocks, and, wait for it, currencies. They offered the first market for Bitcoin futures in 2017 and created an options uh, market for Bitcoin futures in 2020. Ether also has futures available on the exchange as of this past March, and now both Ether and Bitcoin have micro futures available. Expect this marketplace to just continue growing. And speaking of marketplaces, that's number six on our list. The more that cryptocurrencies are accepted in merchant marketplaces, the more small businesses and entrepreneurs can benefit. Facebook parent Meta Platforms tried to develop their own cryptocurrency for just the purpose of making a global financial payment and infrastructure platform that's available to everyone. And while that attempt had major setbacks and was sold to another bidder, that hasn't stopped Meta. In the spring of 2020, Meta's Facebook Shops was announced as a new offering for small business e-commerce. Another e-commerce infrastructure and software provider is serving as the third-party software provider. That company, Shopify, which already allows merchants using its platform to accept cryptocurrencies as payment. Now, this is not uh, a comprehensive stock list by any stretch. As crypto adoption continues, there are going to be new companies that provide needed support services in any number of ways. Many of the big tech companies are dipping their toes into the crypto waters with large investments and innovation. And that includes Tesla, of course, but also Microsoft, Amazon, Google, Apple, Block, and Meta platforms. To be clear, I'm not recommending or dissing any of the companies that I mentioned here. Each of you has to assess your own financial goals and risk profiles in your portfolio. And each of these businesses has its own risk profile. But just like Levi Strauss selling jeans to gold speculators in the 1850s, you can own a piece of the companies that are attempting to recreate that pickaxe strategy in your own portfolio. As I mentioned before, this is a rapidly changing industry. As such, I actually had a lot of difficulty in finding solid resources to research the companies for that pickaxe strategy. I say this to reiterate that this is not at all a comprehensive um, deal, and it's really just a reflection of this particular moment in time. In six months or a year, the list of movers and shakers that are supporting crypto could look very different. In the meantime, I would try to spread some of that risk around in my own portfolio. How you do that for yourself is completely up to you, but I have provided some resources in the show notes to help you out. And that's going to do it for today's show. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you found value today, make sure you hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. The show only grows because of you. So make sure you share it with a friend, family member, or colleague to help them on their passive income journey. I also want to hear from you. 
If you have a question, comment, or rabbit hole topic that you'd like me to cover in an upcoming show, make sure you rate and review on your podcast player. I check those all the time, and I cover those questions in future episodes. If you'd like to know more about me and gain access to passive investment opportunities, make sure to find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, or visit my website at www.oncallinvestments.com. This is Bobby Jones signing off. Until next time, be safe and take care of each other out there. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and reviewed the show, I'd be honored if you took the extra time. It really helps to expand our reach and get the word out about the show. If you're a CRNA who is interested in sharing your story on our podcast, I'd love to have you. Please email me at bobby at oncallinvestments.com for more information. This episode was brought to you by OnCall Capital. They are dedicated to helping providers like you develop passive income and generational wealth through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. Feel free to check out their website at www.oncallinvestments.com and subscribe to their free educational email series. You can find OnCall Capital on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check out our YouTube page, where you'll find all of the show episodes along with other educational videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.